0: It's the herb at the end of the world. It's the herb at the end of the world. It's the time I took some time to heal. It's the time I took some time to heal. It's the time I took some time to heal, and I feel. Sam Wise here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Herb at the End of the World. And um, I'm excited about this month's episode on California poppy. It's been a big learning curve and lots of, yeah, lots of really important lessons and learnings to do with this plant. And um, my journeys, I just returned back from a big two month road trip to California and back to Ohio and spent a lot of time with cow poppy on this trip. I got a cow poppy tattoo to remember these lessons with an essence that I made of cow poppy in it. And um, yeah, it's it's a lot. So there's um, a lot here in this episode and there might even be further episodes on cow poppy because there's just a lot to say and a lot to learn. So I hope you enjoy it, Um, and I hope you enjoy getting to know our guest, Gabrielle Ishkanian greenberg Um, So, yeah, who's one of my colleagues, um, an herbalist and a, um, yeah, mental health peer support counselor. So hope you like the episode. Um, Before we get into it, I just wanted to let you all know that another... Um, cohort of the class series that I offer ancestral healing for white folks is now open for registration, um, as of August, 2022, um, and yeah, if you're interested in a class series that really delves into this question of who are we as white folks, um, without white supremacy, without, uh, having our identities really depending on others. And I'm kind of thinking of a really amazing um, episode of Finding Our Way, which is a podcast by um, Prentice Hemphill where um, Prentice is quoting um, Toni Morrison and this inquiry of like, you know, who are we without white supremacy and how that question can, um, and the fear of that question can really keep a lot of these systems of white supremacy and, um, patriarchy and capitalism in place. So this is a class series that looks at some of the origins of those systems and reaches really far back into our lineages for, you know, parts of folk healing, parts of, um, lore, parts of myth that are, um, Things that bring us joy and aliveness that we can build upon as we strengthen our anti-racist practices and um, you know somatic learning, so we can, can begin to really unlearn some of those really harmful ways of being that our uh, dominant culture has taught us. So um, if you're interested in that and you want to learn more, you can go ahead and check out my uh, website, which is selfhealherbs.com and there's like a class tab you can learn more about that and another tab on ancestral healing for white folks so I encourage you to check it out and yeah so that'll be running for 10 weeks um and I hope you join us and in the meantime while you're listening to this episode and if it's moving you and you want to do something to support it cuz we definitely appreciate your support um if you want to leave us a a five-star review and rating, that is actually a really huge way to help this podcast and to help these projects and to get some of these ideas further out into the world. So um, I just want to read a review that we received um, because it's so amazing from Mrs. Lord Voldemort Jr. (laughs) Five stars. And they say, um, one of my favorite podcasts, the world is so lucky to receive this gift from Samwise and all the other amazing folks. The conversations weave so much depth and breadth into the profiles of different herbs in a way that other resources just can't quite capture. Thank you for this podcast. So I just really want to say thank you. And I really appreciate reading these reviews. And um, it really helps people know, you know, what a resource this is. So if you're into it and you want to help out the podcast, um, that is a really awesome thing to do. So, thanks for doing that. And with that, I'm excited for you to hear this episode and get to know more about Cal Poppy and our guest. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Hello and welcome to another episode of Herb at the End of the World. I'm your host, Sam Weisberg, and Community Herbalist, and I am so honored and pleased to have our guest here today, Gabrielle Ishkani and Greenberg. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for saying yes to being here, and um, I'm excited to, to introduce Gabrielle, um, and yeah, Gabrielle Gabrielle is a peer support counselor who integrates herbalism and eco-psychology into a nuanced trauma-informed service of relational healing. She is a queer neurodivergent person born on the ancestral lands of the Munsee Lenape in what is now known as Woodstock, New York currently living on occupied Pomo and coastal Miwok lands in what is now known as Sebastopol, California. While she's been formally studying herbalism for the past five years, her connection to the beyond human world has been innate and integral to her path since childhood. Some of her earliest memories of co-regulation are of being held in the arms of the trees, conversing with the babble of a brook, seeking counsel among the smalls. With a background in anthropology and art, Gabrielle is also an artist who serves as a mentor for other artists throughout her life. And she also identifies with the archetype of weaver in various communities, expanding webs of connection, support, and resource. So yeah, thank you again for bringing all of that here. And thank you for being excited to connect with me about our mutual friend and teacher, California Poppy.
1: Absolutely. What an important friend, crush, ally, boo. Can't wait to talk about it with you.
0: Me too. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, muse, like deity, (laughs) (laughs) mutual support for us both in this moment. Um, I hope it's okay to name that. We're both like navigating through some like, uh, just like health challenges and some like pain in this moment so it's it's actually kind of sweet to connect around this being that is like such a powerful um teacher and healer around like being with pain and um like accompanying that and and so many other things so it kind of seems cosmic to be able to connect um with with this plant in this time Um, So, yeah, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, your path around how you got to working with plants and with peer counseling and support in that way. Um, Yeah. What are some of your lineages and and how did you find your way to the plants?
1: Lots of big, important questions in there. All right. So um, sometimes I feel a little overwhelmed by the lineage question because you could spend days answering that. Um, but I guess I'll I'll present some of the lineages that are holding me in this moment um, and some of the teachers that I'd like to recognize. Um, I have a pretty mixed ancestry. Um, my ancestors lived in Armenia, Ireland, Germany, uh, what's now known as Belarus. Um, possibly Lithuania. There's a lot of question marks there. I don't know my full ancestry, but um, I feel pretty strongly connected to my Armenian lineage and my Ashkenazi Jewish lineage, which I'd also like to name. Um, also want to shout out my plant ancestors. so many to name. <laughs> can't name them all here now, but maybe I'll just shout out Rose, who was also my Armenian great-grandmother, whose name I carry. It's my middle name. Um, want to shout out some of my herbal mentors, including Amber Peters, Stasha Stahl, Bill Dichaya, Brian Bowen, Jen Bradison, Karen Aguilar, David Hoffman, Mondana Bushi, Lauren Jambroni, and Nicole Labue. Um And I think lastly wanna honor that um, I've been on a path of Tibetan Buddhism for a long time. I was initiated in the great Himalayas uh, when I was between high school and college and it was nothing short of a transformation in my life. So I really wanted to honor that as well. Um, in terms of my initiation with the plants, I mean, I don't I don't know how to say when it began. It's it's been happening for a long time um and I have always paid attention to those invitations even before I had language for what it was. Um I have always I was always that kid who had so many questions and no one around me really had a lot of answers to offer. Um but I think it's appropriate to share a little bit about how I was initiated as an adult. Um, at the end of 2016, such such a hard moment in the collective um, and a really, really challenging moment in my personal life. I had sort of a series of adjacent and overlapping crises and traumas in my life. I lost a loved one to an unexpected suicide. I lost my primary partner of many years. Um, I lost my job. Trump won the presidency, my parents Um, decided to separate after many years of marriage and my sister was hospitalized um, after having a pretty major psychotic break so all of that within the course of a month and I reached a point of burnout that I don't think I had ever hit before even though my life has been chronically stressful and um all of complex trauma. Um, this felt really, really different. Um, really loud. Really took all of the wind out of my sails. I was, I was almost in like a nonverbal place. By the time all of this really hit me, um, and in that moment, someone who recognized that I was struggling, um, offered me some herbs. Um, they knew even though I was exhausted and and not really able to nourish myself at all, I had no appetite for a long time. They gave me some valerian root, valeriana, and said, you know, this, this really helped me when I was where you are and maybe it can help you too. So between that and, um, sort of beginning this practice of bathing with herbs, um, like having like a small pouch of like flowers and different herbs that I've just put in the bath with me and be, you know, sort of caressed by in that space. Water has always been really deeply healing for me um, and holding and shedding, cleansing. And the plants became part of that ritual in that time and they were helping. They were really offering me this nuanced support that I didn't really have words for that my, my human allies, um, I don't think could have offered me. And I paid attention to that. Um, it took me a few months to consider that information and really like let the curiosity guide some other questions about like wow my life has really just fallen apart what do I want my life to become how do I learn to truly take care of myself in a way that I had been caring for others since you know being a young parentified child um I was never caring for myself enough Um, I never really had boundaries, you know, like I, I hit the, the psycho spiritual physical boundary with this burnout. And I was like, okay, I, I see, I see what's happening here. I'm listening, trying to bring in some self-compassion and really considering the next step. So that, that's what really led me to start seeking out, um, herbal mentors, And I started studying the plants in New York um, the following summer, right? The first real season for herbs out East. Um, And then I continued on to the California School of Herbal Studies where we both studied for a few years and really deepened into that community, um, as well as uh, seeking out advanced clinical skills and mentorship with wild current herbalism. So that's a little bit about how that came to be. Um, but um, there's so much I could say about how the relationships with the plants like really started to open up for me and and also really listening to other people's lived experience, not just what you hear from a teacher or read in a book, uh, read in your Materia Medica, just really noticing like what does what do these alliances feel like for people um how do we find language for that do we even need language for that but you know i i i feel like it's it's always been really important to me to um facilitate plant allyship for folks who are struggling with mental health that that's that's just i mean between my lived experience and um what I what I am tapped into, what's so clearly deeply needed in the collective, um even just in my my circle of relations. Um yeah that that has definitely become a huge priority for me and how amazing how many beautiful plants there are who want to support us in that way.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing some of that story with us. I really yeah, I I feel I feel a lot of resonance with the like the multiple yeah, the the multiple factorial like pile up of like struggle at a certain time in life I'm like curious like was that your Saturn's return or was that just like (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's like whatever that was was. it's fucking hard (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah you know it was I I have to admit I I didn't know a lot about what that meant but Mm. people started reflecting that back to me and I was kind of like okay all right. I surrender. I surrender even more deeply. And I, what, what kind of followed it, I sort of skipped over this detail, but I was essentially a butterfly for a few years. I was bi-coastal, you know, bi-seasonal. <laughs> you can imagine which season I left behind in the East sometimes. <laughs> um, But I, I didn't really have a home for a while. And I really just I needed to to deeply reconnect with my intuition. I needed to nurture um, existing relationships, who were witnessing me through a very painful transformation, but also nurture new new relations. And um, so I, I bounced around for a bit, um, and that feels so so Saturn. <laughs> And I was just kind of like, okay, like I've never done this before, but this, this is the time. And I, I gave myself a lot more permission for that and, and, you know, started uprooting a lot of the internalized narratives about uh, how the, the unconventional way I was moving was not okay, not normal, um, not quote unquote productive, right? It was incredibly important for me to Find my center. Find deep, deep self compassion that I was really drained of and and deeply needing to cultivate. And of course, work work on these uh, relationships with all these new beings, these plants that were coming into my life. And it was really quite fun, you know. I would I would drop in with a plant in New York high summer, and then be in California a few months later, and be like okay, boo, like, I know your cousin out east. And I loved that feeling. I loved being more on either a first name basis, which is always so, so sweet and special. I, I always think about Ursula Le Guin when I think about the importance of names. I love the way she brings that into her work. Um, But also, just the recognition of patterns, right? Like the attention to details, how beautiful is that um, for us to orient to where we are, whatever limbs that we're on. Um, There's so much to notice. And that was, that has always been a big part of my process in, in trying to live in right relation. And have a sense of safety wherever I am safety and support and I always like initiate other people into that practice if they seem open to it like if we're out on a hike together or we're literally just having a picnic shooting the shit on a park bench I, I point these things out and and it seems to resonate for others too
0: totally there's something so connecting in that to like gain mm-hmm familiarity like intimacy kinship with the the plant beings around us and like connection is like a really big theme that's coming forward for me with cow poppy um Mm -hmm. and yeah like a kind of connection that also is like honoring of boundaries and it's like you know what's mine is mine and yours is yours but we still can be connected within that but I was curious if, if during this part of your journey, you know, kind of after all these big ruptures and like while you're traveling and, and kind of being a bi-coastal, you know, being, is that the time that you really got to know Cal
1: Poppy or, or when was that for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I gave this a big think. Um, and really that, that first nudge that I got from California Poppy was the same year as my <laughs> unraveling. Um, but some months prior, it was, it was actually in that spring. I was visiting my sister and I hadn't learned anything about this plant yet. I mean, it's, it's hard not to notice if you spend any time in California because even though it has its sort of peak, it's usually around, right? Like maybe not in full, full bloom, but it's around. So yeah, um, I remember we pulled over somewhere near Point Reyes on, you know, the Pacific Highway, and I was just like, Kate, I need to pull over here, like, I need to just kind of vibe with the twilight right now, which is really, like, my time, and I started noticing that all of the cow poppy had closed up, like, the petals had just rewound themselves pretty tightly, and I'd never seen that before and I I was really paying attention to that I was I was starting to get curious about that and be like what's that about like do plants have circadian rhythms I've I've never really seen a plant do that before um but it was kind of it's sort of a doctrine of signature thing right it was this kind of cue from the plant about boundaries about like protecting one's like Inner fire, inner light. Um, it does this. I've learned since to protect its pollen from mm. moisture. And how oh, oh chills! Mm, how beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? Basically, what what evolved from this first little nudge that I got um, that really created some awe and inspiration, or even aspiration for me. I had been dealing with a lifetime of insomnia and just really dysregulated sleep in, in different ways. Um, I had never slept normally in my life. And one of, there are so many factors and why that was. I feel like you could probably connect the dots from some things I named earlier. Uh, maybe we'll get into some of the bigger background things later in our conversation. But on this point, I will say that, like, one of the hardest things for me that I could identify in like closing the day, right? Was that I would feel this kind of internalized pressure to process everything before going to sleep. You know, everything that was on my mind, everything that had happened in the day, all so many interpersonal things, like I would just be swirling, ruminating, processing problems, ruminating, right? Like comes from the... The Latin root to chew, like a cow chews on grass. And that's what I did for so, 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 so long. And so basically, what I'm trying to say is that looking at this thing that cow poppy does, which was so, so sweet and simple, helped me consider this in my own life before I even like really started working with the medicine, but it was integrated when I started take taking this medicine as, as a whole plant, tincture primarily, um, of just giving myself the permission to actually rest, to let go. I, I of course, learned at some point in, in my education that we process so much in our sleep that we cannot process when we're conscious. So Cal Poppy was such a crucial ally in me, just like Being in deeper surrender and in my nervous system, um, doing both like that acute support, but that deeper background healing, Um, and that yeah, I think that's part of the story that I want to share. I also, you know, kind of want to name some like love notes to Cal Poppy, just. I think most people are familiar with it. You think of California, it's it's the state flower, right? Like, you you know what it is, um, but yeah, just to like bring some like kind of visuals in or sensory in, um, I love that working with cow poppy is like a whole plant medicine, right? You're using the flower, the leaf and the root. I love that the flower is the same color as the root, that bright orange. You don't know unless you know, right? Because actually technically you're not allowed to harvest this plant in the wild it's like the (laughs) one protected plant right Um, but you can grow your own and it's no problem anyways we'll talk about that (laughs) Um, I love how silky and smooth the petals are I love that this amazing flower only has a few petals it's incredibly delicate but also fierce can hang with the wind can hang with the different weather that comes in I love the softness of the leaves, how lacy they are. I love that the medicine almost tastes like a bitter chocolate. Mm. It's incredibly comforting to me, the taste. And and most people that I share it with have a similar reaction. Yeah, just, just some of the things. So much to say about this plant. Yeah, I love that too
0: I love the softness of the petals for sure and there's something very captivating to me about looking at them like it's so soft and like satiny almost and like I I like want to touch it (laughs) and when I do I'm like very careful because I'm like oh these are like very delicate like I'm like I fear kind of like like you know damaging the petals but I just there's something so so amazing to me and like balanced about like how beautiful and like luminescent the the mm-hmm. and glowing the the flower is and how soft it is and how it can grow with like almost no water you know like very very little water right. you know right.
1: and how hardy yeah. it He's is it's so- super dry hillsides, like, so, so, so dry, and yet Mm -hmm. it's thriving. How amazing. (laughs) Magic was this this beacon of hope, right?
0: Yeah, truly. Yeah, magic is definitely the word that comes to mind for me, and especially, like, How, I don't know if you've noticed this, especially since since you've, you know, you love the twilight as well, like in the twilight and and in the, in the dawn, like I notice when the light kind of comes sideways at the leaves, they like the very Mm. tips of the leaves are like reflective and they'll like flash Mm -hmm. this like orangey red, Mm -hmm. silvery, orangey red color as well. And I'm just like, who are you? (laughs) You know, like, what is this beat, you know? totally for you know out of the dream world or something but I I just yeah for me it's it's really like nodding to this embodiment like support mm-hmm. that it offers Um, like you know even just looking at it and looking at its softness like taking in the glowing luminescent quality of like its blossoms in the sun and just like how it responds mm-hmm. to the light to me is like a real reminder about you know, how to kind of tap back into the body and how much wisdom and, like, power there is there. Um, And, yeah. Yeah. And I Oh, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I just was going to say I really love what you were sharing about how, you know, one of the messages you received is this, like, permission to rest and permission Mm -hmm. to not have to, like, go over all of the lessons or, like, details of the day in your mind before sleep because one of the ways that I connected with this plant over the summer, it was like growing at this cabin where my partner and I stayed while we did the, the queer uh, and trans youth camp. And so I like spent a lot of time (laughs) selling, (laughs) spent a lot of time um, just kind of looking at it and being with it. And also like navigating a lot of challenges this summer Um, Mm -hmm. and like really releasing this idea of like, what I've heard about relationships growing up like the don't go to bed angry thing and which you know I'm now realizing is like not always accurate you know sometimes we do just like in navigating relationship in navigating our connections and our boundaries and our conflicts and whatever you know that pausing is a and like resting is a real supportive tool that I need to mm-hmm. use more <laughs> and like learn how to like be more comfortable, like calling on. And so I just I felt a resonance around the like allowing to rest like in the service of letting the resting be the thing that's needed and doing the work right now,
1: yeah, totally, totally. and i I was gonna sort of on that note speak to um that inspiration from this plant that's so like visibly connected to the cycle of day and night right um I I've I was outside of that um I mean you don't have to be in a normal cycle with those things there's so many ways to relate and and we are just not all the same but you know there there is a part of our physiology that wants to be in that circadian rhythm where we're resting when it's dark and awake when it's light and and there are a lot of good reasons to be in that if it's possible for you um but yeah I was just I was just kind of reminded in this moment that one of the reasons that my sleep got so dysregulated beyond these kind of you know ruminations and this lack of permission to rest more deeply um was that the nighttime for me has has always been this time where I just savor the lack of stimulation and as as a neurodivergent person that is sacred to me I mean I'm learning in my pretty recently actually in my adulthood that there are ways that I can remove sensory stimulation and communicate with others about my sensitivity around that and all that but when I was younger and I didn't I didn't have language for that. I didn't have a framework for that. I would just seek out the solace of the silence of night. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I guess what I'm trying to speak to is that I recognize that cow poppy has also helped me with some like way deeper nervous system stuff than just like, Thanks for being my like sleep ally, boo. You know what I mean? Like if there's something really deeper happening. I've I have lived in such a hyper-vigilant mode for as long as I can remember. And that is really hard to just pull yourself out of. It's not just like, oh, I'm aware of this. I don't want it to be this way. Like, you need a lot of tools and resources from from different toolboxes and different angles at different times. It's, um, there's no formula for that, but I I guess I just wanted to also recognize that I think Cal poppy has been one of those number one allies for deeper, deeper nervous system healing, um, in releasing the hypervigilance that's lived in my somatic body for so long. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm curious if you'd say more about that and, and what do you notice when you are using cow poppy in that
1: way? Mm. Well, one thing I mean, part of how anxiety manifests for me is very up up here in in the in the head, in the mind. Um, I notice that cow poppy is helps me transition with with some comfort and ease back into being in my body and I recognize that you know there are times when that is like not what's wanted and not the appropriate response and whatnot but it's not um such a quick transition like there are some other herbs that if you take them like damn it's gonna be a sea change right I don't feel that way about how cow poppy works um it takes a little time and whatnot but it's a gentle transition and I really appreciate that because it's been you know so important to me to to learn to be safe in my body in this you know long healing journey that I've been on and been committed to for you know the past six years or so um, yeah yeah, I, I guess the image that came to mind was like actually thinking about the nerves in the body, not just, you know, talking about this abstractly and how um, there's like a emanation from the central part out to the peripheral. And I do feel like I can experience that on a, on a subtle level, not in like a super, um, super tangible or super perceivable level. Um, with this medicine Mm -hmm.
0: have you experienced that yeah I'm connecting to that in like the way that I appreciate like nerve in general like and um yeah like attending to the level of of the nerves which I feel is very like ancillary or like maybe the same maybe the different I don't know but of like the level of the spirit you know yeah Um, and how there's like you know maybe it's electricity I don't know (laughs) but just like a spark a sparkness that lives in our bodies and in our in our emotional bodies and our spirits Um, and how like the awareness of that and the tending of that can be really transformational Um, and it's something that I like really um, have a lot of love around like Getting to slow down and like getting to attend to that feels like a really profound act of love for me. Mm. I completely resonate with that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of your, you know, the part of your story where you were, you know, speaking to the person in the car with you being like, pull over. Like I have to go experience this field of poppies. And I and I have a very, you know, similar story where like the first time I really got to know my partner, I like. I was driving on a road trip with them to, to Don Medina, this like meditation center in, in Joshua tree. And we like Google maps took us like the, the, just the wildest way. I was just like, I don't know where we are, but like, look at this giant field of California poppies. And, um, and they were like pull over like let's get out and go like be in them and like if I had been driving by myself at that time in my life like I totally would have just been like cool and then like kept going but like I was like okay like let's stop let's get out of the car let's lie on the earth and there was something like really enlivening for me about that where like I was connected to the earth and my body in like a new way and I was like oh, I kind of want to like kiss this person, but I'm not going to, because that would be inappropriate on the way to a meditation <laughs> retreat. But I was like, that's just for me to know. And like, but it was beautiful. It was like so overwhelmingly beautiful that there was like something reviving to me. You know, it was like, if, if my spirit was getting like, you know, comp- chest compressions, that's kind of what I experienced it. Like, like, cuckoo. you know, like wake up, but also yeah. like be alive and like maybe also sleep you know
1: <laughs> yeah and rest rest into that feeling I oh, gosh it was really like potent for me to imagine laying down which you know like let's be real that's not always the appropriate response when you see like a pretty epic bloom of this plant you know sometimes it's a it's an admire, but don't don't walk near on me, you know, like it's, that's a whole thing, but if it feels possible, like I, I was really feeling quite uh, romanced and can easily imagine being on the ground with the plant, like turning my head and it just moving in the wind, like at my eye level and just the, the dance of that, um, that's, that's really potent just to think about it, not even do it. <laughs>
0: Totally. I love that word romance. That's definitely how I felt at the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting vibe, you know, like to, to call that into our minds and to, to, to be with that in the way, you know, in real life and also just in different ways. And like, I'm noticing too that, at the camp that we did with with queer, queer and trans youth like right in the middle of the t-shirts that we made and then and are this you know this image of the cow poppy and last year's sticker has like the image of the cow poppy right in the middle and i'm just like cow poppy is here and has something to say about like this like connection and this like revitalization and this like you know attending to the spirit that also like speaks to the romantic or the sexual or the or the you know, the connecting of whatever kind that's like bringing the aliveness of our spirit. It's there's something there Mm -hmm. with that. That's really intriguing for me. Yeah, definitely. I feel you on that. Yeah. But yeah, but speaking of connecting, I'd be really curious to ask you more about the work that you do with Mm. like supporting folks, through, like, peer support, um, peer counseling, mm-hmm. and, and, like, attending to the level of the spirit in that way, if you're excited to share about that. Um,
1: yeah, I, I would love to share more about that. I, I did notice earlier, like, it was part of a question. I was, like, oh, man, I can't talk about all these things at the same time, but I I, I would really love to speak on this, and, and also presence that, like, I'm... I don't, I don't really live by definitions, you know, like I'm not the kind of person the way that my mind works. um, I'm not quick to be like, well, here's the definition for this, you know, here's what this means, you know, it's, it's more of an, an emotional response and articulation. But if I may try to presence (laughs) or define in some way, what peer support is, I would say it's an emergent alternative to clinical therapy that uses an individualized, collaborative, nuanced, and trauma-informed approach, which is informed by shared lived experience. It is an empowering and non-hierarchical, reciprocal relationship that operates outside of the systems that incarcerate individuals in mental health crises. That's not all it is, but those are the, some of the things that are really important to me about peer support and reasons that I do it, that I feel passionate about it. Um, so just want to name those, um, but on the note of, you know, lived experience, um, part of how I counsel people is, is through sharing my lived experience of queerness of neurodivergence of you know complex trauma and mental illness both my own and in the lives of some of the people I'm closest with my beloveds I I have experienced so much mental health crisis and continue to in my life um, those are sort of the primary things that I bring um, and that being said, if someone wanted to experience peer support, but those weren't their primary experiences, that doesn't mean we're not a good fit for each other. I just think I'm especially supportive for people who are navigating those things. Oh, also I'm like having having a loved one with addiction, I would say that that comes into my practice a lot. Um, so yeah just, you know, naming some of those values. I mentioned the piece about incarceration. Um, in our, you know, initial connection, I was sharing with you that for a long time, I felt really compelled to go to grad school and to become a licensed therapist and found a path that I might be able to do that in a more holistic way than than other you know, paths or programs offer. And at some point I realized like, what am I doing this for? I've, I've essentially been a counselor my whole life, even when I was too young to be in that position, you know, everyone kind of always knew that about me and confided in me and knew that I could hold the emotional complexity of what they were going through. And, um, So it took some time for me to realize that I am already a counselor. And if I pursue licensure, then I probably can't practice the way that I actually need to show up in this world. And for me, that is like specifically being able to integrate herbs into support um, to facilitate those relationships, to potentially dispense medicine from my apothecary, or at least recommend um, and, you know, with questions of mental health crisis, of suicidality, like, I'm not beholden to report someone to the fucking cops. I'm, I'm. that's not, that's not something I'm beholden to. That's not something I'm interested in doing. I have a very, like, transformative perspective on those things. I've been seeking out different trainings to further um develop and hone my skills on being a support person for those situations. Um through I'll just shout out some of the nonprofits that I think people should know about. Ida, which um, is the Institute for Development of Human Arts, IDHA, and also Project LETS, i T S. I've done really great trainings with them, um, both just radical transformative mental health focused organizations. Um, so, you know, between my, my education, whether, you know, formal or more informal and so many years of lived experience, um, I'm in actually a really, um, really valuable position to be a support person for other people. And once I realized that, like, I'm already doing this, I'm already in this, I was like, okay, I need to, and either communicate more clearly, like this is what I have to offer in terms of of service. So I've been kind of on that journey. Uh, It's been interesting to be studying herbalism formally for the past, you know, five, five years, knowing that the way that I practice herbalism isn't exactly the way that I'm trained to, um, or at least, you know, that's a hat that I don't wear all the time. I'm not always a clinical herbalist. I'm not always a community herbalist, but you know, I can dance with that if that's what's needed, if that's the support that's requested by a client or a community member or a loved one. Um, I do also wanna name that um, one of the, I, I think one of the beautiful things about the way I practice counseling is that I don't turn away people that I know. Um, I am not only like willing to work with friends or friends of friends, but I'm really invested in it. Um, It's given me some really beautiful opportunities to um, practice boundaries and fine tune and adjust and communicate above all about the nuance and complexity of boundaries in relationship and I have to say, like i'm I'm proud of the way that I've navigated that and i've I've been starting to receive more feedback from people who have experienced my counseling as well as my friendship. and the feedback has been really humbling and powerful. and um and that kind of brings me to another thing, which is that I love therapy i've been in therapy uh, pretty much my whole life like from from a younger age than many people have um different people at different times for different reasons their therapists have been incredibly crucial allies for me especially in my very dysfunctional mentally ill family but um it's just not always accessible i had the privilege to do that because my family supported that happening um even even the barrier of finding a therapist, let alone paying for one, right? Between you know healthcare out of pocket, just all the things, it is not easy. And for someone who is really needing support, whether they're actually like in crisis level or they're just really going through it, o- overwhelmed, um, spread too thin, under resourced, all of that the energy and resource that it takes to find a therapist who has space for you is in your area can maybe can work with you long distance or not whatever it is that's rough and what I love about um, the way that I practice is that like I'm really accessible and and that's a really important value of mine that I get to embody in the way I I show up in service um and you know, again, negotiate boundaries, right? Like, I would say that with clients that I work with, I'm not, um, I'm not unavailable outside of times that we might have a scheduled session, right? I may not be available, but I might be available, and I'm game to text. Like, I don't have, you know, like HIPAA stuff, right? Like, I can show up for people in ways that clinical therapists cannot and i feel i feel really good about that that being said i think one of the beautiful ways that peer support can work in people's lives as as part of their support system is just that being part of a system that i'm i'm not necessarily the only um support person or or form of therapy or you know practitioner that someone might be seeing and that is really cool um that that's just in line with this disposition that I have of being a weaver and um, referring people to other practitioners and resources that might be supportive for them. Um, and just just being part of their web of support, I, I feel really strongly about being in that kind of role.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, being a weaver is such a sacred role with so many yeah so much historical like connection um so I'm really appreciating how you're using that and bringing that in um I hope I
1: don't digress too much on why I'm not a clinical therapist you know it's (laughs) it's not off the table for me I don't know I don't know where the path is leading but um I I realized that like I need to be doing this work now because it's needed now Um, so I've, I've been finding the, you know, the confidence and the courage to show up in that way and clarify that I'm available for it. And that's been going really well so far. So I hope it's okay to share a little bit about why I made that choice and how I embody that choice, you know,
0: yeah and thank you thank you so much for sharing what that means and what that looks like for you it's really empowering to hear you speak about it and like to hear the ways that you are yeah journeying with holding this value of accessibility um so yeah i wanted oh, to yeah,
1: I sliding scale Yeah, <laughs> sometimes I do that in some way but like i'm really affordable and i'm down to meet people where they're at and that is another value that I, I feel is non-negotiable in the way that I practice in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I want to have a whole like episode (laughs) or like multiple episodes on like sliding, like herbalism and healers and like money that is like a whole like realm that I'm like really curious to talk to people about. And I also share this value of like accessibility and like the way that I've worked with sliding skills has like, and, and gift economy has like changed, um, as I practice with it and as I use it. And, um, that's just like an interesting exploration for me right now as like, I hold this, like, yeah, like the, the magic of like being available and accessible, um, with also the reality of like and I need to eat and pay mm-hmm. rent um, and like what does that look like and like what where does that journey take me. But what I notice when I and what I appreciate about like being accessible to people in my community in a way that like maybe would not be possible in like allopathic or like other settings and maybe it would happen yeah. in that way too, and and I'll find out because I'm gonna go to nursing school. So like I don't fucking know, but
1: like, hey.
0: hey, tired of being so poor. Um, but what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that, um, like the people who are meant to work with you, like find you, and yeah. so sometimes right. you know it's not always like that, but like what I notice sometimes or is like wow like I'm like opening myself to my community and like you know and it can be a very wide community with the internet and the things and sometimes that's scary like some of my friends and like other settings that you know are more licensed or whatever like don't give your phone number out and I'm just like people got my phone number like it's it's out there Mm -hmm. um but but like don't come to me um (laughs) but like I, what I notice is like, oh, when people do find me and like ask to work with me, there's a resonance there or across yeah. like my experience and their experience where I'm like, oh, like I see how I can like offer this helpful piece mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Like like pulling this thread of like, have you considered working with Cal Poppy or like, have you considered like blankety blankety blank or, you know, whatever is helpful at the time and just, yeah, the spaciousness mm-hmm. to like allow for that resonance and that like that magic of like being able to meet someone where they're at and not having like costs to be a barrier to that i think is like really really important and powerful and like i've also seen how like offering support for folks without that cost barrier you know can kind of circle back in a cosmic way um Like either they refer me to someone else and like they pay me money or, or, you know, or just, you know, whatever seemingly disconnected can, can support. And it can be so hard to trust that, like the, you know, the, the woven fabric that holds us all together, like in that connection, um, that's like often part of my nervous system, (laughs) you know, or I'm just like, oh, it's really hard to practice on a, a totally, gift-based like you know system because you have to have a lot of faith that like shit's gonna be okay um so yeah experimenting with other models
1: something really really special about being a practitioner who is word of mouth who is kind of referral based like I agree with you completely and I I feel like very connected to this that like that's actually part of the exchange if if finance is going to be part of the exchange, beautiful, like that, that is a supported needed thing and in, in a practitioner's life. And there are so many other ways that we can support the practitioners we work with. And my, my dream is to be supported in that kind of way, because on a values level, that's the weaving, that's like the web weaving itself. Right. And I think that that's incredibly beautiful. And that that's my dream right now. Although I will also say I am working on putting myself out there more publicly as, as being available in this way and and like talking about the services I offer and my story and all of that. Um, I wanted to speak on one other thing, which is that, um, I, I would imagine you can relate to this, but like practicing in this way is a form of regenerative healing. You know, when, when I get to share the wisdom of some very very heartbreaking like devastating experiences that I've lived through and survived with someone else in a way that's like potentially life-saving for them and and deeply supportive at the least like that is a form of alchemy and that is I would say one of the the primary fires that burns in me you know that like I have to do this work because that is, that's just something that's in my karma. You know, um, there are, one of the things you learn when you have loved ones who are severely mentally ill, um, is that like, you're not in control of their healing. Um, you have to be in a space of deep surrender, even when you're offering support and, um, it's been really beautiful for me. I'm just speaking a little more specifically here about what I mean by this, to give an example, but like what it means for me to impact someone else's holding of that complexity or even the actions that they're taking to support someone who's um, really in crisis, even though I can't necessarily impact that change with my beloveds, on a, at least not on a regular basis, it seems like that is so powerful you don't learn these things in school (laughs) you don't learn these like I wish that I hadn't learned these things through lived experience and yet I have and it's it feels it feels I feel a sense of obligation to share that kind of wisdom just even the process of like how to advocate for someone who's in the hospital you know how to approach someone who might really need therapy or some kind of therapeutic support who is just starting to open up to it or not yet open to it like things like that you know just wanted to think about that regenerative healing stuff because that is a huge part of why I do this work.
0: Mm, totally yeah I connected that in a, in a a deep way that Yeah. I'm thinking about experiences that I've had with trauma or like violence or like, you know, a particular experience that I have that carries a charge kind of like Mm -hmm. this, you know, nervous system energy, whatever that is. Um, and it's, it's desire and potency to be shared in a healing way and how that like can ripple out in ways that support people, in in my life and in my circles and how the sharing of that supports me and it makes me think of like a mycelial network or a nervous I system, was just gonna say you know? that is
1: my little healing
0: yeah like you know here's it's this really you know, yeah like here's this muscle knot like for example you know um I like witnessed murder like in 2018 and that really that happened my first year of herb school at ancestral apothecary and was very bound up with my like connecting to my lineages and starting to like untangle all these threads of the germanic and celtic lineages that got a lot of murder in it and so that experience while extremely traumatizing for me has rippled out and totally informed my teaching, you know, like that's part of why I offer ancestral teaching, like healing teaching at all is because I like saw like what needed to happen. And I had this energy in this, not from this, like this thing, not only for that reason, but like part of what is like fueling the, like the outward energy of that is like, oh, I have this like wisdom that I gained from this thing that was hard, that wants to be shared. And like, part of that also has this grief around like, wow, I really wish I had like elders and teachers older than me who could have like shown me how to deal with this big energy of being human, but I didn't. And we had ourselves, like we had each other and that's what we had. And so like part of that regenerativeness that I'm really connecting to is, um, you know, when we're, we're healing, you know, and we are what we have, like, there's still so much that we can do peer to peer, you know, human to human to weave together the ruptures that we're encountering in this time. And from our legacies there, there is a lot that we can do. And that's laying the groundwork for us to become elders. And then the people after us to become elders where hopefully it won't be the same, you know, it'll be, yeah. some more support and some more like, you know, like that, that tissue will get some more density and it won't be so fucking raw, but like <laughs> you know, it'll be different over time. So.
1: Totally. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because there, there is a dimension of intergenerational healing in this that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I, I talk about every day, but that's another one of those fires is like, like I have to do this work I have to I have to be part of this um I have to embody it and I have to like help others embody this and for us for our connection to be part of that healing is you know it's paramount um yeah just really resonating with what you shared around that um another thing I kind of want to speak to which I haven't gotten into much yet. Is the hmm, the reconfiguration of identity that I've been in in the past few years specific to neurodivergence? And um, I am finding, um, even though I'm, it's so in some ways still in that process. Maybe I'll always be in that process, but a lot has changed um through the pandemic um, i mean by virtue of the pace completely transforming especially in the beginning and um, just the the kind of thought and frameworks that i found access to that were centering lived experience that were i mean the intersection of um, deep, deep examination of white supremacy, like what, what a time, right? Um, and I'm finding that my my lived experience as a neurodivergent person is it comes up so much in my practice, um that it's it's really quite an honor when I get to reflect something back to someone about, you know, the the, the things that they've internalized about themselves and the way they show up in the world that are really, um, rooted in white supremacy, you know, tangled in capitalism, um, really strong inner critic stuff, um, really cruel stuff. And I get to be like, Hey, like, I you may not be aware of this way of thinking about this, but this has been incredibly supportive for me to reframe diagnosis that I've received and have struggled with and and just how to how to identify with that, how to live with that, how to communicate with other people about my needs around it. And that's been really humbling in my practice lately. It comes up with like most people that I work with,,
0: mm-hmm. yeah what a gift on so many levels to be able to yeah have had this like slowing down and recognition like honoring and compassion of those needs and
1: like ways of being (sighs) which are not wrong ways of being right like how I think I I think I intellectually understood that for a while but it's so much deeper and felt and embodied at this point. And that really took time. That took a lot of like excavation of very unkind beliefs I was holding about myself, which like didn't originate with me, but nonetheless were like super embedded within me. Um, Wanted to offer like a a definition that I didn't create, but um, that an educator named, Sonny Jane, who's based in Australia and is a peer support counselor and educator um, that I've studied a little bit with um, because how many people ask me like,, what is Neurodivergence? Many people know, but I'm going to offer a definition that they offer that I thought was really helpful. Um, neurodivergence is an umbrella term for anyone who has a mind or brain that diverges from what is typical or normal. This re- refers to attention, mood processing learning behavior and more it's not just another word for autistic or adhd as it also includes other neurological conditions like dyslexia as well as mental illnesses so i i've really come to embrace this and there's there's other like you know critical thought about this because really we can't talk about neurodivergence without talking about capitalism we just can't right um but i think it's a really yeah it's a really important framework to to empower people with um if it feels true for them if it feels relevant and supportive
0: yeah and noticing a lot of people in my community kind of having similar inquiries and thoughts and realizations and like coming to this really useful tool if it feels useful to them to be like ah like i am no, and like Number one, like you're saying, like it's impossible to talk about this without talking about capitalism and the constraints of like yeah. what it is to be a productive, good worker cog. Because like, what is normal? You know, like what is like right. what is good attention right. and like the way right. that I witness in like school systems, like what they do to children. You know, like <laughs> sit here in this uncomfortable so desk for eight school. hours, right? Don't go to the bathroom. Don't eat. Don't talk to your friends. Don't whatever. Ignore your body. Ignore your mind. You know, and just like do these worksheets. <laughs> it's just um, yeah totally it, it it hurts it hurts totally yeah and how yes it's really I'm noticing in this time there's a lot of slowing down there's a lot of like being with like how we are you know and being uh, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who is also having similar realizations and And like coming to this realization of like, oh, I'm just like not meant to like, I'm just not a good like worker cog for capitalism. Like my brain just doesn't do that. I don't do that. And and what I what I think is really beautiful about all of that is like this realization and this unwillingness to force ourselves anymore. You know, there's there's this honoring and like gentleness of like how we are or like how what our needs are or like you know our 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 gentle you know beautiful nature of humans however diverse they are and like a new or maybe not new but a commitment and a and a protection around like Mm -hmm. you know honoring what that is and an unwillingness Mm -hmm. to sacrifice that being to like whatever the normal cog demands are Mm -hmm. from capitalism white supremacy like whatever whatever and I think that's really powerful. That's a big like cultural shift that I think is really interesting. Um, and I'm curious to see how it will
1: unfold. Yeah, I totally feel you on this. And I'm so grateful that there are so many ways to kind of blast one's perspective open on this um, that are, you know, as easy as scrolling on social media depending on who you're connecting with there but i also think that it like i wish that i had had a peer support counselor in order to support me through this process of excavation and reconfiguring my identity and my sense of self and ultimately like my deep appreciation for myself in the ways that i'm different sensitive not always productive <laughs> right like I it's been a journey, but I really, I think it's beautiful to um, be supported by other people in your, in your circle, in your communities, whatever it is, while you're in that journey, because that, that witnessing and that affirmation, it really, um, I think it helps create some of that like deeper lasting change in how we see ourselves and how we want to show up in the world right? Like you can't separate any of this from the, from the values question and, and (laughs) coming back to the plants, I think plants are so important to that process too. And they, they, they deserve, they they want to be woven into that process, you know, Um, for deeper um, permission, for rest, for Um, permission to be one's true self to honor oneself in ways that we often diminish right or cast aside or compartmentalize or mask right so much masking plants have really helped me unmask so much um
0: yeah yeah totally yeah and I really connect with Cal Poppy as a teacher in this because you know in this summer when I'm like really meditating about this plant and like how it's teaching me about boundaries but also like honoring my own aliveness I was like oh like in conflict I get really overwhelmed pretty easily like I due to my trauma due to whatever whatever maybe you don't even have to have a reason like I just do and it the big realization for me was like oh like it's within my power to say no to continuing this conversation when I feel flooded or overwhelmed that's when it's my responsibility to be like actually I need to like take a a break in this like I need to rest and like kind of reset my nervous system in order to come back and, and keep talking about this from a grounded place and that realization I was like oh it's it's on me to say no to, to this yeah. and that's like that's my like boundaries are for me to do not just to have like like I have to do boundary <laughs> oh, <laughs> and the, the doing boundary like begins with this honoring that like my like little soft animal of the soul is like easily overwhelmed in, in this situation and to, and to not you know I really did like learn to override that Like I used to work for a union as an organizer and like part of how they train you is to like stand there. If someone is like releasing rage at you to just like stand there and take it. And so like, that was like my training as like early twenties. I'm like, Oh, if someone is having, you know, if I'm in conflict, I just need to like take it. And I'm just like, I don't need to withstand that anymore. This is not the only way to like, let someone just blow all their shit through you. Like I actually get to like say no and be like, I'm a little soft animal. I'm going to go be a little soft animal over here for a little bit and then I can come back and just, yeah, that honoring and that, and that gentleness and the know of, of that, I think are some really important building blocks of our time right now. And that we're really sensing into with like the pandemic and the things that's kind of slowing us down
1: to be able to sense into that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love what you're Presenting about the boundaries here and um, just thinking about like those places in our lives where um, we don't have to behave in the way that we think we should whether we're just thinking that we're conditioned that way we're trained um, yeah we we can always take a step back And tend to our needs and try to self regulate, co regulate, whatever it is that's needed in order to show up for those things. You can be the best communicator in the world and feel really proud of your skills and still be like, this conflict is flooding my nervous system. I'm not gonna be able to be a great communicator if I push myself to stay in it, you know? Yeah, I I experience a lot of that too as someone who is easily. Overwhelmed and overstimulated,
0: totally. And I just, yeah, it, there's there's something really like powerful in the noticing of that and the like, yeah, just thinking again about how the the essence of cow Poppy is so much about like locating one's personal power like inside ourselves again, mm-hmm. you know, rather than it being like out over here. And, like, I know for me, part of my healing journey with, like, family trauma has been, like, oh, like, anger and conflict and, like, you know, violence is happening, like, to me. And, like, how do I escape that? And, like, now I'm an adult and I can, like, make decisions and do things <laughs> independently of that. And, I'm like, oh, okay, like, the power that's in me is actually, you know, the softness and this listening and this noticing and this ability to uh, discernment to discern like ah uh, what is it that I need right now or what do I need to communicate um which can totally include like resourcing with people like, and, and often does like need you know we are such yeah. human socially human beings you know needing that that co-regulation like you said um and yeah that leads me to ask like you know a little more about just like the peerness of of peer support you know like Uh, that's that's something I'm curious about around like you know how can we as people you know on as peers you know support each other and how do you see that in your work
1: Mm. the first thing that comes to mind um, I might need to take a little like cough moment here (coughs) doing all right. We're, we're still here. Everyone's we're working our way <laughs> Doing
0: the best we can. Everyone's doing a great job.
1: <laughs> I think one of the things that's been um, really up for me lately is um, thinking about how we model the way that we want to be treated and the way we want to treat other people in relationship um I think that that is such a sacred space in in pureness right um whether that's through um you know certain qualities of communication I think especially in the communication around boundaries right like just because I am an incredibly supportive, sensitive person doesn't mean that I always have a full capacity to do that. And, uh, you know, I'll just give an example. Like, I do have people reach out to me in, in um, whether it's a full blown crisis or just like a really hard moment of overwhelm. Like, people kind of associate me with, you know, being a possible support in those moments. And that makes sense, you know, like, like, yeah, like that, (laughs) call me, you know, (laughs) but if I'm in a moment where I actually don't have the capacity to offer full, full spectrum support for that moment, I consider like, what can I offer and how can I presence that and how can I communicate that so that this person doesn't feel alone and isolated so that they maybe just have some help thinking through what they need. Right. And maybe I'm not the one providing those needs, but I can help them think through that. Um, yeah, I don't know. This part of what comes to mind, um, thinking about pureness and how we support each other. Um, I think it's really important to um, always be centering someone else's needs when when, they you know, when they're coming to you for support and not projecting onto them what you think they need offering unsolicited advice I mean these are kind of concepts that are circulating and more more widely considered now but I really um I mean I still have moments in my practice where I kind of have to catch myself in that and that's okay we're human we don't we don't do support perfectly every time and that's fine because we're not perfect but um you know if I have a moment where I'm like, "Hey, I want to say something, and I think this is also a projection, I just presence that um if it feels like the appropriate thing to share. doesn't always come up that way. Um, I think it's important to know that when when someone is overwhelmed and really needing support, but you know, really in it, that they might not always be able to tell you how they want to be supported and what they need. and giving some, I don't know, starting to kind of train oneself to offer ideas for support without leading someone, right? Without pushing them in a certain direction, Um, giving examples, giving space, lending someone your voice, even just hearing someone's voice is an incredibly powerful thing. Even if you can't take a phone call, sending a voice note or like a video of yourself. Um, Yeah, those are some of the things that come to mind quality pureness
0: (laughs) yeah thank you for sharing that there's a lot of creativity in that um and just like thinking through different ways to be able to like meet folks in their humanness while also honoring like wherever it is that you're at if that's something to be navigated
1: yeah totally yeah that's that's how it's got to be and it's taken me a long time to learn how to do that i mean i i can just speak to this for a moment i was i was the kind of person who always always put other people first you know like almost self-sacrificial in a way and without even realizing without even choosing it and i think i really defined my my worth in that way um but at the detriment to my own well-being um I was always draining the well and um it's I think that it's really beautiful again just reiterating this to model to other people the well is not infinite and um that we do what we can and we're here for each other even if we can't meet everyone's needs at a given moment um the more that I practice that in relationship, um the more I feel like the more trust is actually cultivated. And um, yeah, i I think sometimes, you know we we have to ask people directly, like how can we cultivate deeper trust between us? But sometimes we just inherently know, and we have to trust our intuition for how we um demonstrate what trust feels like, right? yeah
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, and that takes time as well and like repetition and um yeah I'm also reminded of that um the finding our way episode with Prentice Hemphill and the one with Richie Rashida talking about um like creating networks of care in our community you know not just like one person to one person yeah totally and just like building out these networks making them strong building the trust of them and like you know building them out you know like I'm just reminded again like the nervous system metaphor is really working for me we're like you know we're so disconnected in so many ways and like you know when our foot falls asleep and it like wakes back up and the nerves are like kind of like becoming more online and like connected again there can be like this kind of panic or this kind of like pain happening and like just kind of being present with that so that like all of these networks of care and support and kind of come back online again is is something that's really like hopeful for me so thank you so much for like being part of weaving that and bringing that you know to the forefront and letting people know that's something that's available and possible in this time and um yeah I wanted to ask you yeah about where folks can find your work like how people can get connected to you and and what you know what's the most present for you these days like what are you working on
1: yeah well I would say I'm in like a sort of development stage of launching my practice very publicly, but I do practice and I am available to offer peer support, especially weaving the herbs in to folks. Um, I feel like the best way to stay connected to me and what I'm up to is through Instagram. Um, my Instagram is is my name without the vowels, so it's G B R L L G R N B R G, and I'm open to connecting with folks over email too. Um, and eventually, I will have a website where that will that stuff can be streamlined. Um, I feel like right now, a lot of what's going on for me is um, this kind of exciting navigation and embodiment of different kinds of exchanges in my life getting to wear different hats that I love um, I am you know as all of us are I'm a person who is multitudinal and I I love doing different things i'm I'm a photographer I'm a flower farmer I've worked in like kind of conscious event production for many years um I love being on small teams so when I'm not doing peer support counseling um I'm often involved like freelancing and some other stuff but you know I wind up bringing those skills to pretty much anything I show up for and that feels really beautiful like wherever I am whatever I'm doing like I'm fully myself and fully present in those things um but yeah I love to stay connected with people on social media I love I love when people reach out and curiosity I'm I'm a person who's very open to taking a curiosity call if someone wanted to work with me but had questions or just wanted to see how does it feel to chat or be a good fit um yeah
0: cool thank you yeah we didn't really get a chance to get into your photography work but it is so beautiful and yeah really again appreciating like yeah the the way that like beauty and awe and these offerings like really weave together um so thank you for for everything that you're putting out into the world and we'll make sure to push your instagram handle in the in the show notes as well as those other nonprofits you mentioned earlier so that folks can check it out if they are curious um so, yeah, I'm wondering if there's anything else that that's that's here that wants to be spoken. Any other messages from ancestors or cow poppy or any wisdom to to put out into the world that wants to be spoken?
1: Mm, just kind of a reiteration, like words that come to mind are about like permission to protect your own pollen you know your sweetness your light your glow listening to this plant and letting that message in and be really deeply felt you know like that's that's something that is held in my dream for the collective and you know just want to amplify that prayer at the end here
0: that's a beautiful prayer thank you so much for for speaking that and putting out that that prayer and thank you again so much for sharing your time and your wisdom and your experience and your your healing words with us um really appreciate you being here
1: thank you for having me this has been such a joy and an honor thank you
0: You've been listening to The Herb at the End of the World, a podcast created by me, Sam Wise Raritan, community herbalist, teacher, and organizer of the Self-Heal Herbs Mobile Free Clinic. All my offerings are freely offered and community supported. It's important to me that all my work in the free clinic and all the content I create through the podcast will always be offered without a cost barrier. If you feel nourished and inspired by these projects and want to support more people getting connected to healing and learning, please consider being a supporter on Patreon by searching for Samwise Raritan Community Herbalist. Any level you can give at is immensely appreciated as it supports me in being able to live my most joyous and authentic gift to this world. I am so grateful and so in awe of the patrons who are prioritizing, imagining a new and vibrant way to care for each other in this life if you can't give money energy in this wild time, totally understand. (laughs) And another big way you can help out the podcast is to give us a five star rating review uh, on Apple podcasts or other places you download your audio. That makes a really big difference in letting more people know about these projects. Thanks for listening and being a part of creating revolutionary dialogue in your own circles. I wish you joy and healing in your journeys and until next time.